Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. You have made it to episode. <laughs> you have made it to episode 130. Michael, what is up? You I? I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and uh, you got your coffee. Coffee? What are you drinking? I've, I've already had. I've already had two cups before, so I'm gonna try to control myself. Keep it at two cups for the morning. I just have some water for now. Can we can we can we brand and patent a caffeine IV drip? So really, just cutting out the middleman of drinking your coffee, you just have an IV um, stabbed into your arm or however that. I'm not like a doctor, or, or, <laughs> and uh, the bag just drips coffee into your veins. I think that would kill you. Um, kill you with awesomeness, or just like like with- like particulates like in your, in your bloodstream kill you <laughs> can we start a band name called particulates in your bloodstream yeah, yeah sure dude man we're like math metal that's a very math metal name i feel like yeah that's so good but here we go this is really really fun i always love when we return to like our reoccurring topics so michael and i have a really fun suite of just like topics that we revisit and and you know we'll add different parts to and everything like that and this one is one of my favorites i know um a lot of you guys enjoy this we are doing watch brands we know nothing about specifically this is a weird one because i guess this is a name that most people know but i don't think people are actually too familiar with the intricacies of their history and just even like what makes them innovative and secretly this is one of those ridiculous watch brands that I, I actually do respect. Um, so you can send your hate mail courtesy to... No, I'm just joking. Um, cur- courtesy to me, obviously. But um, <laughs> this is Watch Brands We Know Nothing About, Part 7, Hublot. I respect them too. I, I, I think I think part of the reason, um, history-wise, they get buried um, is because people just think that it's it doesn't have any history, you know? It's yeah. a it's a young brand, um, you know, uh, or people have a lot to say about Hublot, and and a lot of times I just don't get it. So it'll There's, be it's it's fun to dive into this and just see what we learn. Oh yeah, well the, there we can talk about this more once we get through some of these housekeeping items. But there's just there's one super interesting thing about Hublot that sets it apart from a lot of these other super expensive kind of legacy autology brands that i think is just really remarkable and like the key phrase for me is like like substance mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um but we can get into that we first have some housekeeping items to get into michael would you like would you like to honor tradition with me and do an audio wrist check i would here <laughs> you, you go first i'm talking too much <laughs> i am wearing a brand spanking new uh, CWC 1983 Royal Navy Diver Ooh, girl. reissue. Um, this is this is uh, one of two of their latest quartz releases, um, and a new addition to their heritage line. So um, back a while back, I had a 2002 automatic Royal Navy Diver, right, which I sold because I. I wanted something a little more uh, like MOD correct. Sure. I suppose. Also, just disregard me. I'm eating some biscotti right now. So keep talking. Ooh. I know. I I had to take my pill. I had to eat something with my pill. Otherwise, I'd die or something. (laughs) Did you burn a hole in your stomach? I guess. I don't... 
just I'm just kind of down to days till I finally die not the two things anymore. But here, go on. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, so so I sold that. I wanted something a little more rugged fucking feeling. Crumbs. Sorry, go on. Is I it got crummy? crumbs. I got crumbs. <laughs> I'm like fucking crumbs everywhere, dude. Jesus Christ. Whatever. Sponsors. <laughs> potential sponsors take note. This is what you would be paying for. <laughs> we have no sponsors. No one likes this. I've accepted that. Um, so I got rid of that. Uh, not to say that that a watch with an ETA two A two four is is not rugged or anything. Hmm. Um, but you know, after talking to some some uh, current and ex military um, listeners and, and and even people that have been issued. British military watches before. Right. Um, the general consensus was like, you should try to get something quartz. Um, and so it just happened happened to happen. Uh, yeah. the, you know, CWC came out with this not long ago. And actually in San Francisco, I knew it was going to happen. And I was, I was talking to you about this one or the automatic 1980 reissue that they released a couple years back, which is very expensive. Um, um, kind of in general these are these are two pretty expensive watches for what they are right. but um you know i just it, it, they cost what they cost and <laughs> i like them both but thankfully the the quartz version is is uh much more realistic this came in um not long ago and uh i just love it i love it i have it on this bond um alternating black and gray Oh, the Sharknado so cool. strap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some differences from the one that I had before. Uh, this has uh, an acrylic bezel with sealed luminous uh, numerals and a 12 o'clock triangle. Oh, okay. um, So the acrylic bezel really lends a cool look to the rest of the, the dial. Um, the minute hand is different. This is more of a... It's almost like a full pencil shape, like a drafter's pencil, like thick thick minute hand right um and gosh you know i, I think when cwc re also released that 1980 the first run that they did uh faced a lot of criticism due to the shade of aged loom uh, it was kind of orange all i recall time. this yeah you know I, I i look at it these days i i can't blame cwc they probably had some uh like a handful of examples that they were referencing and some of the actual 1980 automatic prototypes, they did age to this sort of weird orange tone. And maybe those were the only ones that they were referencing. Um, but as they corrected that issue, they came out with three different tones of Loom. You can get it basically not aged at all, so just white Luminova. Hmm. Uh, slightly aged, they call it like light vintage. And then there's like the crazy one that's more orange tone okay. um so this is this is light vintage and much like the scurfa which i'm holding it next to right now um the color is really really right y you it almost doesn't look like it was it doesn't look like it was forced at all um they, and got, again, it, they, they got it right oh they they got it super super <laughs> right um beautiful case 60 click action on the bezel nice super positive everything lines up um you can't ask for more in in a in a quartz watch that follows the um you know the mod spec the 
DefStan 66-4 specification. Um, I love the fact that you got the Quartz one also. I, 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 I've been... I was on a quartz kick before. I'm on a quartz kick now even more. Like I love the idea of just getting just really nice quartz pieces in a collection. And so when, you know, when we were talking about that, I got super excited. Yeah. I, I, I had asked him like, you think, you think I should, cause it would have taken me some time. So the, the, the 1980, the automatic, when you do the conversion, you're, you're pretty close to what I paid for the Doxa. That's tough. And and some some critics will say, you know, what is what is CWC doing? They're they're a military supply company that is now trying to be a watch brand. Um, I mean, good for them, <laughs> you yeah, know. Dude. Like, Was that some, do people complain about that? They do. They do. Uh, I, I mean, <sighs> shame on a good business for trying to make, you know, <laughs> to, money to make some money and to grow. Shame, shame on them. Well, I think what, I think what people forget is that a lot of CWC's business um, today is still really tied in with uh, MOD contracts. Yeah, um, they haven't really branched out into the watch world a hundred percent, and they're still testing the waters. And and that that nineteen eighty reissue was was really just a test. Um, they're still available. They didn't, from what I can tell, they haven't sold super quickly. This thing seems to be a little bit more popular because the price point is lower. Um, so, you know, they're, they're putting some feelers out there and seeing what they can do with the brand. And um, I, I think they should be proud of that. That's awesome. That's super cool. It does make me curious about that automatic, though. Um, I, I've been going I've been going deep, like deep into the Insta stocking uh, of CWC collectors out there. And there's like a handful of four or five guys that just have them all. Wow. Like all? Like all? Yeah. So the 1980 automatic, the one that came right after the Rolex Millsub, um, <laughs> those are harder to find than Rolex Millsubs. <laughs> I think people forget. Um, and there, there are just a couple of collectors out there that just have gaggles of them dude wow. <laughs> like, um so it's just a very cool design I, I i i think it has something to do with the smiths that i bought a while back but for some reason after getting that watch i just fell in love with um just british military watch design i can't totally. explain it so the movement in there is quartz is it is it an edda quartz because i think they use edda right it is it's a it's an eta uh, i'll tell you the exact movement um Quick look here. It is the ETA 955.122 quartz. Um, nice. It does what it needs to do. That's, <laughs> the, got, that's, that's, a, that's all you can ask. That's all you need the watch to do. You know I think mean? the battery life is estimated at four years. Oh my God. Or something like that. And um, I think it has an end of life indicator. I could be wrong, but. So it'll like. The second hand will do something to indicate to you that battery's every low five something. seconds. Yeah, the battery's low, and then you go because because some people are like, oh, if you do quartz, you should do solar because a quartz could just run out like out of nowhere. But I think I think a lot of modern circulated quartz movement movements will have some kind of end of life indicator. Yeah, and then you normal. just see that you get the battery changed and you're good to go for another four years. Yeah. Wow, that's so wild. So here's the question: I think I asked. 
when you got your other CWC and you told me one thing and then I did, did another do, thing. You did another thing. <laughs> you already know what I'm going to ask you. I can't answer is, this question anymore. <laughs> is this watch staying in the collection or will or will you see it going one day? Or do you or do you plead the fifth <laughs> at the at the at the risk of of incriminating yourself further? Do you plead the fifth? I think I'm going to plead the fifth right now. But <laughs> I think this watch might surprise me because just the process with buying this watch really mirrored the process I followed when I got the Doxa. And that Doxa is obviously a, a forever watch. Yes. Um, yeah. I didn't really jump the gun. I talked to people that knew more than I did. Um, and I, I followed some really, really good community advice. And um, that just makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> think totally. about the, the purchase, you know? Um, and I just love it. it. It solves this watch solves all of the internal issues personally that I had with the automatic version. Uh, I don't, I don't like old watches. I, I, I just, I don't know why. You just made Vin- a lot of people upset. I know. I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I I don't like that um, somebody started writing the story before I did. Mm. Um, The exception, obviously, is my Speedmaster, but, I mean, come on. (laughs) 6K for a fucking watch. But, uh, you know, also also the quartz thing really makes it carefree. I I would wear that other one and be like, okay, like, was this ever serviced? When should I get it serviced? It's running a little fast. It's running a little slow. Yeah. Um, you know, when am I going to have to drop even more money? This is just the course movement. Just go, go. That's so cool. Congrat, congratulations on bringing a new piece into the fold or fold. Is it fold or fold? I think it's fold. We can check Bon Apple tea. Any, uh, <laughs> any, any, any fucking sheepologist listening to this show, you can tell me whether or not it's fold or fold. Full. <laughs> full. I don't think it's full. I don't know. I feel like I'm wrong. Who knows? Who knows, man? That's so what about cool, you? though. I'm wearing something I was inspired to to reposition my Eye of Sauron upon from last episode because it's been so long since I've really paid attention to it. I'm wearing my Seiko Sumo, dude. Mm. Michael, how could, I, how could I have ever contemplated? Like, I contemplated on the last episode getting rid of this watch. You know, it, 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 it goes back to, to writing that story. There's... We we drool over these uh, these watches that are you know purchased from the original owner with mm. like everything. You are the original owner of this watch, and you've 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 started to write your own story. And you took that thing on your honeymoon. You've gone on all of your travels with that watch, pretty much. Yeah. Um, this watch is, and it's just, and this thing is just. There's just something about it which is just so I don't know. When it's off, so when the Seiko Sumo is off my wrist. It's still an attractive watch. When it's on my wrist, though, it's like there's something about it which just clicks and it just feels so right. Um, not all the watches I have, even watches that I love, will have that effect, you know? Um, yeah. Definitely the Seiko Sumo and the Orange Star GMT, those two have that effect where they look great off the wrist, but as soon as I put it on my wrist, like something just like just clicks and it's like, this is perfect. This is what needed... This is what needed to have happen, you know? And so, right. um, been wearing it. 
you know, uh, for a couple of days now and everything. And I'm just, I'm super into it again. I rediscovered, I rediscovered how, how just, how comically good the loom is on this fucking watch. You know what mm. I mean? Like yeah. I went out to get my mail. I was outside for maybe, maybe 45 seconds <laughs> and I came back inside and the shit looked like fucking Tron on my wrist. I, it looked like there was a light speed, like, 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 like bike, like chase on my wrist. It was just glowing. I'm like, dude, we were outside for like 45 seconds. Like, I don't understand. You know, <laughs> like no other watch I have has loom that does that. It's totally outrageous. That's awesome. And so, um, yeah, super, super happy with this thing. And it's got me thinking about those new Sumos they released with the new 6R35 movements. I think they increased, like, the power reserve on there. And they might have made them a little bit thinner, the movements, which I think would mean the watch itself would be thinner. Um, I'm still happy with my with my blue mode. So this is, um, this is like, the like the second, I think technically like, like a second generation Sumo, the Prospects one. Uh, SBDC 033 um, check out I did a haiku review for this watch which I should do another one I should do another one again haiku review is so much fun um, <laughs> and it's exactly what it sounds like it's a review that I did in the form of like haikus as as stanzas and it's uh, it's really cool I might want to revisit some of the photos in that review because I did that a long time ago and our, our our ability to take decent photos has has increased exponentially since i did that review so i might want to revisit the photos for that but um but thinking about those new sumos i'm not i'm not too sure i think if i get the chance to i might visit the seika boutique down in miami and and when i'm able to when i guess when they're there when i'm able to just see if i can try them on or at least do like a side-by-side -side comparison with the new sumo and with this blumo that i've got um the green one looks interesting you know it does. I was thinking about that one for a while, but I just, I don't know. As, as you know from the last episode, I think I have enough Seiko divers. <laughs> I think you need more. I think you need you more Seiko more. divers. Yeah, dude. Let me see here. New, goddamn, my microphone's blocking my fucking monitor. New Seiko Sumo Green. Uh, I should probably have typed in Basel. Yeah, because there there is a there's another green one that we saw that had yellow accents. We saw that one in Hong Kong. Saw it in Hong Kong. I, I did not yeah. like that one. You yeah, you had a, you had like a very like 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 adverse yuck. reaction. Yuck, Ugh. yuck. I think. <laughs> Waiter, there's a the waiter, there's a fly in my fucking soup. Like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this thing is quite this thing is quite beautiful in green. I will give it. I will give it that. It's pretty cool, and it's got yeah. the um, the hour hand is different. Is it? So my hour hand, it has a cross section. So my hour hand, I'm sorry guys, literally looks like a penis where there's like a head of a penis, which is declared by a line going from one end to the other. Whereas on this one I'm looking at right now on Fratello that they took during Basel, the hour oh, hand just has a line going up the middle. Up the middle. Oh yeah. I see. Oh, I see it. I see. So the shape, the shape is just like yours, but the segmentation is different. I don't know why it matters, but I just thought I just I just clocked that now because I'm looking at the watch. I'm looking at I'm looking at the watch screen. I'm looking at my watch, and looks like the numbers on the bezel are different as well. The numbers on my bezel they're a bit fatter, you know. Mm. The numbers on that bezel they're a bit um, they're on the uh, on the Atkins diet. <laughs> Look at you! I did not I did not notice these things. 
Hmm. Well, I'm just I'm I'm just <clears throat> looking at it now. That green's quite handsome though. I'll give him I'll give him that. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yep. I want to see this thing in person. Oh yeah, that's why I, I want to see how much this fucking thing was, dude. Uh, it was a lot. It, it was it was getting up there for a sumo. I don't I don't think it broke a thousand. Let's see. Eight hundred and fifty euros on the bracelet. That that's breaking a thousand USD. Nine fifty two USD. That's oh, that's ju- okay, just shy. That's <laughs> a lot. Of, that's a lot of money, dude. Uh, yeah, they'll start circulating. Uh, I think they're supposed to start circulating in the fall. Um, mm. Maybe on Amazon, they'll come down. Who we'll knows? see. What's so? What's the MSRP of my Blumo? That's actually a really good question. That's going to give me good insight to what the fuck is going on. Let's see. SBDC. Uh, on Amazon, it says four sixteen for your Blumo. So the oh, list, you said MSRP. MSRP I, I, I for this six seventy five. Oh, but yours is six seventy five. Yeah, but no one's ever paid six seventy five for this one. I mean, I, I'm assuming no one's ever paid six seventy five. This why I I paid three fifty for mine. New. It's good. Which is nuts. So if these new sumos come out and you could somehow get them for like half off list price, like I did. That could be interesting. Now I'm never going to look at the hour hand of your sumo the same way ever again. It, it's it's very much like a, a penis. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the only thing I could think of to describe <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. I, I needed to say the right words so you could picture what I was talking about. And a penis, <laughs> for some reason, is a, an incredible visual like descriptor. I don't know why. Okay. Well, it's not as overt as the 12 o'clock marker on a Speedmaster. Cock and balls? The cock and balls? Yeah, that's just, that's never going away. (laughs) That's universal. There's caveman drawings of the Speedmaster cock and balls. Like, that's like from the beginning of time to the end of time. Cock and balls. It should, is there, is there a cock and balls on the new Omega, Omega Speedmaster full moon? I mean, there has to be. So now there's a dick and an ass on the new Omega Speedmaster. Ah, yes. There you go. Yes. Yes. With a nice applied logo just underneath. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, If you expected a clean episode. I apologize to any new listeners who weren't really sure what they were getting into. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good episode to start off on. But yeah, that's what I'm wearing. I love the sumo. Super happy with it. I want to try and do a side by side if I ever get the opportunity. So maybe I can hit up the folks over at the, the Sega Boutique down here in Miami and uh, gauge the. Because I don't think these things are in stores yet, right? I don't think so. I, I think a lot of the Seiko stuff s- starts circulating in the fall. So you yeah. haven't seen those Arnie's, for example. That's true. I don't think anyone has one yet. Um,. But yeah, I think maybe summer and fall, you'll probably see them. Cool. I think I think that'll be fun. I think uh, folks would appreciate an interesting side-by-side. But um, yeah, that's what I'm wearing. Super cool. Congrats again on CWC, man. I, I'm really glad to see it in person. Did you say how big it was? Was it 43 or did I imagine that? Um, can't be, can't, it can't be 43. I, I always get the measurements wrong all the time. Um, it was 75 millimeters. It's something like 43. Really? But the lug to lug, I know for a fact it's 46. 
Oh, so it, it feels wow. very, very. It's it's a it's a Goldilocks watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty wild. That's so cool. But yeah, congrats on that. Really looking forward to seeing more photos of it. I just remember I think you did post one photo of it the other day on the Instagram, and um, people were super stoked. Yeah, yeah. So let's do this. We did the wrist check. We got some. I guess not really housekeeping items, but you went on a watch. You went. On, you went on a watch window shopping adventure. Yeah. It started with. Um, I want to hear about this. Yeah. So at work, uh, I I split <clears throat> my time between home and going into a couple different spots around the city, and um, one of those spots in particular has this collection of luxury shops downstairs. So there are these big buildings. Um, and then you go downstairs and there are some fancy restaurants and uh, right boutiques. One of those boutiques is Omega. I, I've already bugged them enough. <laughs> We've only been working there at that location. Um, I think not even two months. Okay. And I've already visited twice. <laughs> Just have like they, have they offered making you free them espresso yet? No, no, not yet. I think Come I have on. to buy something first. No, no, absolutely. They're very, they're, they're very nice. Um, so this, this, it's actually a pretty small Omega boutique, but they have a nice selection. And just one day after work, I decided that I was gonna um, just browse because, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been going to the mall a little more often. I don't know, we're like mall rats now. <laughs> it's something you do when you're teenagers, and then you skip it on your twenties and. Oh, yeah. 30 before before becky and i moved here to orlando so now so we, we we live right next to disney disney is the place where we just go but before that when we were in davie over in fort lauderdale we were mall rats so we just go to just, just go to like malls and just hang out aventura or boca town center or whatever like it's it's just fun it's just fun to yeah. walk around yeah it's fun and um so lately i've been going to the big jeweler chain here which is called benbridge it's it's in a ton of different locations across the country. Hmm. I never knew about it. It's basically the equivalent of mayors in, okay. in I've, South I've, Florida. I've never heard of it either. So, um, of course, every time I'm close by, I, I always get in to take a look at the Tudor selection and the uh, the Rolex. Um, see how bad the Rolex problem is. <laughs> uh, it's worse. It, it really is worse every time I swing by. Yeah. Um, so I, I just got, I got super upset, you know, whatever is happening, um, customers are going to start looking for other stuff. So right. as much as I enjoy the new GMT master, um, I don't have 10 grand lying around. I don't have 18 grand lying around <laughs> to buy one now. Um, so I just thought to myself, fuck it. I'm going to take a look at omegas or one of omegas flagship gmt models uh and, and that's that's well i guess i can't call it a flagship model because i think it's discontinued it's the um planet ocean gmt oh, I, wanted, wow. I wanted to take a look at that one because uh, that's a watch that always looks kind of chunky in photos um i'm googling it now yeah so they have a couple versions now i think there's one called the good planet there's one that's all black ceramic i think but the one that i like was 
I think a Basel 2016 release. It has a black and a white bezel. I'm like looking at it right now. This thing's cool. Yeah. Some folks call it the Oreo. Um and it's God, it's I mean it's expensive, dude. It's like 8k. Um but you know, in my mind, a person that's ready to spend the 9k on the GMT Master is eventually going to get frustrated and just take their money elsewhere. Sure. So I, I I wanted to see how comparable this was, and it is a fantastic watch. It's one wow. hell of a watch. Diameter-wise, it, it, it fit me great. It is quite thick. So That's my issue with the Planet Oceans in general. I've tried yeah. on I tried on the Chronograph, like in particular the Planet Ocean. It was it was like it was like I had a jelly donut on my wrist. Like it's just this fat thing. And I'm like, oh good. I mean, you know. <laughs> but it was a bit. So that that was the same case with this GMT. Yeah, same case with that GMT. Uh, it. I mean, if you're if you're uh, uh, into bigger watches or just a bigger guy, um, you know, it, it's perfect. It is one fucking hunk of steel, dude. Yeah. Uh, and the the tech inside of that watch is just phenomenal. This is one of the Metas uh, certified movements. Uh, it's got the coaxial escapement in house. What does that mean, Metas certified? Uh, remember, I'm 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 unintelligent. What does Metas mean? It's uh it's a, a certification agency, um, that Omega certifies their their movements through. So oh. and actually in Omega's um newest facility, they're actually um they have a location with within the omega facility so this is an independent third party but they're also working inside of the omega factory is this like analogous to cost certification it exceeds cost oh. um and i th- i think meta's i i don't i don't know much about them but the agency itself has more to do with like weather stuff um oh wow that's so cool in in switzerland let me get you the full name this is how smart we are <laughs> called two broke watch knobs, man. Metas, not, not two cash rich over. Well, what technically? So I guess we are over. It's the Federal Institute of Meteorology in Switzerland. So this that's is so cool. this is the organization that's certifying these within Omega, um, and and those standards uh, meet and exceed COSC, um spec. Wow. So that I mean that was a cool watch, and, and those things take a hit. Um, on on the uh, secondary market, I mean, it's an eight thousand dollar watch, but I see them for five all the time. Again, not not something that I'm waving around <laughs> right now, ready to buy. <laughs> but you, you know, I I've really been thinking about alternatives to these these watches that people are trying to get. Um, so I I left I left the boutique, I left work, I took the bus. Um, and by the time I got downtown, I, I found out that my stop was right next to a Benbridge location oh, uh, cool. in the middle of downtown. And last time I was there, they told me they were opening up a Grand Seiko section. Oh, shit. So I was like, okay, let me walk in here and take a look at what they have. Um, they had quite a selection. So if <laughs> if you're in if you're in the uh, downtown Seattle area. Uh, visiting or if you live here i recommend checking out the ben bridge on fourth avenue um they just opened up like a new section just for grand seiko it's front and center actually when you walk in so um 
<laughs> something like Brightling is actually a little bit hidden hidden when you're in there, but wow. Grand Seiko, they're they're really showing it off. Um Yeah, man, they're they're spreading that money around to get to just get more exposure, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure they paid a particular price to be featured front and center in that joint. Possibly. Yeah. I was um yeah, so I, I walked in and I checked out oh, man, they, they had some there was like a high beat GMT that I looked at, which was fantastic, and I I was re I was reunited with the Spring Drive GMT. Ah. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> Out of this world, man! Out of this world! And again, you know, uh, if Rolex is gonna keep fucking around, and somebody somebody realizes how cool a watch like this Grand Seiko is, um, you know, they might they might lose the business. Rolex might not care. But it's still gonna happen, and I don't care who you are as a business. That's not a good thing. Um, well, the thing is, Rolex operates as if they know nothing will ever impact their business, and, and it won't. To an extent, it's true. Well, well, all I will say, Rome fell. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never know. You never know what can happen. Um, Especially, I know, but do you do you see a world without McDonald's? Because like that's what Rolex is. They're like the McDonald's, of the watch. Coca Cola. They're like <laughs> yeah, it's like Coca Cola. You see Coca Cola signs everywhere. I mean, so I guess I guess that's true. But you're I mean, right. I guess you're right. Things change. Things change. Things things change. But this is going to sound hilarious. Probably not in our life. <laughs> in our life. Yeah, that's that's exactly what was what I was thinking. You know. <laughs> Maybe maybe my grandkids will be seeing Grand Seiko uh, signs in the middle of like you know, um, like random ass countries from from here to Timbuktu. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I'd argue that that's happening already. You know that that's yeah. happened to to see Grand Seiko open up on Rodeo Drive. I could have like getting into this hobby a while back. I, I would have never imagined that. That's so. true. That's true. Um, so but how yeah, was this, it hanging? Oh, sorry. The, no, yeah. The, it, with that whole selection of Grand Seiko, it was incredible. They had they had the regular Spring Drive GMT. There was another one which I think was a little more limited with these gold accents. That watch is fan fucking tastic. Really? Um, again, it's a little. I love it. I I love it. But you know, just talking to the lady there and trying it on, we were both kind of like, it's a little bit big. Because that really? one's forty. That one's forty four flat out. It's a forty four millimeter watch. Um. And before I tried that on, I was looking for that Tudor GMT, which is at forty-one. Oh, and wow, a little okay. a little more manageable, but yeah. equally well, not equally impossible to find. But it's it's pretty difficult to find um, these days. So, not just like a good experience um, overall. Just checking out watches that um, were in the area along my new work commute. And um, yeah, it was a blast. That's so cool. So what's the what's the what's the price point on the Spring Drive GMT these days? Fifty eight hundred. Yeah, I would argue that that's some pretty stiff competition actually between the Planet Ocean and the um, Spring Drive GMT. Oh, totally. And so in its weight, in its in its weight class, that's a yeah. great, it's a, a great price. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the finishing, the finishing on that watch is. 
bananas. Like, dude, Grand Seeker doesn't fuck around with finishing these watches. We saw, uh, uh, we saw, we saw a two. Actually, we saw two of those um, Grand Seiko Quartz GMTs in uh, Wyndham, San Francisco, and just like not even talking about like the, the GMT, the Quartz movement, any of that stuff, but just the finishing on the case. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Yeah, like it didn't and, look real. <laughs> and then finally, I tried on again for maybe like the third time in my life uh, a snowflake. So they had they wow. had a Grand Seiko snowflake there, and after trying it on for a third time and seeing how it just fit with my vibe um i think i can come to the conclusion that that's a watch that i will forever appreciate from a distance mm-hmm. and, and probably not ever own so is it the weight because that always that always makes me feel so because those so are the watch is titanium and it's no just... the weight the weight's actually a really attractive part oh funny okay it. yeah but it, it's just it's a beautiful watch. It just doesn't fit with me. Hmm. Um. And, and that's fine, cause cause if, if the time ever does come for a Grand Seiko, they have so much stuff right now. I and and really they've people complain about the insane like eighty thousand dollar pieces that they're doing now, but at the same time they have, for example, those nine F quartz GMTs. Oh yeah. Which are thirty two or thirty five. And I'm seeing them used for like two and a half lately. So, you know, they're expanding their their reach and they're expanding their ranges. And um, well, here's the thing. Super ready to compete. Take (laughs) advantage of those secondhand prices while they're doing what they're doing now. Because if Grand Seiko does slowly chip away and achieve the same sort of like reverent uh, place as a lot of these other brands, you know, Hmm. those secondhand prices are going to go up. That's a good. It's a good point. Because it's very much like watch enthusiasts who are kind of plugged into Grand Seiko and what's going on. Like people, um, like people who aren't into watches, they might necessarily understand Grand Seiko and all this stuff. But as soon, listen, all I'm trying to say is, as soon as James fucking Bond comes out wearing a Grand Seiko in one of the stupid movies, all this shit is done. All right. Yeah, it, it, people. I'm sure there are some people listening now, and they're saying, "Kaz, like, no, never, dude." gonna happen (laughs) tell that to the guys that were ignoring the two and three hundred dollar daytonas in the 80s because they were (laughs) ugly (laughs) and not popular so it's it's very difficult to say never in this industry um yeah or or speculate that hard about something that's so cool man but it was it was a fun fun little fun little adventure and i'm i'm happy to to see that to kind of open my eyes, you know, I, I get really upset about the the whole Rolex deal. And I just, um, one of, one of the things that I told you when we were in San Francisco, I think we saw a completely empty case. Like there was just nothing there. Oh, at, um, um at Shreve? Was it Shreve? Not Shreve. It was like another, oh, it was, it was inside of a Torno. It was a Rolex. Yes, 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 yes. But, the, but the Rolex was, it was official Rolex, but it was independent of the Torno. I think it was just a proximity thing. Anyway, it literally looked like it was like hurricane looted. Yeah, <laughs> like like none of the pe- like everything was just kind of like scattered about. Like this is the stuff that people didn't want to steal, so they left it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just like as as a business, how can you how can you look at <clears throat> something like that visually and not think that it's gonna 
affect the way your brand is perceived. I don't think they give a shit on the store-to-store -store level what's happening. I guess I don't blame them. Because <laughs> if they gave if they gave a shit store to store what was happening, they would do they would they would deliver they would do something about it. You know what I mean? But they're operating as if nothing will ever impact them in the future. And to an extent, they're right, but can't be right forever, man. We'll see. We'll see. That makes me happier to explore other brands again, like. Oh man, it's actually funny. I, I made a joke um, at at the boutique, and maybe they just laughed at my joke because they wanted me to buy it, or maybe I am funny. I was just like, "Well, I think you're you know, funny." Rolex isn't going to sell me anything, so. And they were just... <laughs> um. So it's it's happy to explore other other alternatives from brands like Omega and, and Grand Seiko, yeah, and um, definitely. I, I I'm happy to 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 move out of my own personal box into stuff like. Hublot, even though I'm not gonna ever buy a Hublot, but uh, you, you can you can find a Big Bang for I think like probably a comparable price that you're looking at for this Planet Ocean or I don't know I if think, I'm a Big Bang guy, dude. <laughs> you, can't, you don't think you can rock the Hublot? Big Bang. Because there's know. some. So this is so let's let's yeah let's 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 transition to the main topic. Um, we could talk about this Rolex Grand Seiko thing all day, and I would love to. Um, offline. Uh, but let's transition to 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 the main topic. So brands we know nothing about. Part seven, Hublot. Really interesting. Um, we've talked about them a bunch on the show, and I know we've made fun of them before. But like guys, I'll tell you straight up now, of all like the high level urology brands, I I really do respect the shit out of Hublot. You know, like do you think do you think this might have started? Well, a good start to this was our experience in San Francisco. We didn't really go into too much detail but it was it was a pleasant time kind of it was just, a fun time yeah yeah working working with that um the sales manager i think he was actually also the the manager of social uh in in north america so that was pretty cool um not a brand with a ton of history but with ties to some pretty like important parts of the watch industry so it, namely jean-claude biver <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, basically well, Jean-Claude Biver incarnate in a brand. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, so um, I know you looked at stuff. I looked at stuff. There's stuff that I purposely didn't look at because I wanted to discover it online while we were all talking. But basically the brand, in my opinion, this brand started, I think, at the worst time for a brand to start. It was in the 80s. Like uh, mm -hmm. I'm looking here, 1980, which was, I think, just pretty heavy into the Quartz Crisis. Yeah, right. it would have been it would have been kind 15 of fifteen years within the, the pinnacle of or the pinnacle of brands uh, dropping like flies. <laughs> yeah, so probably the worst time to start a watch brand. Well, although this actually lines up to something you brought up, ninety I think what was like ninety percent or like ninety five percent of their initial offerings when they started were actually quartz, right? Yeah, in in two thousand four when Jean Claude Biver came on board. Uh, and this, I maybe maybe this is something that he saw and was like, "Fuck this! We, this this shit has got to go." <laughs> but yeah, uh, in two thousand four, apparently ninety seven percent of their uh, catalog was quartz. And how can how can you blame them? Swiss brands are slow to change, so in the eighties, they realized they had to make a ton of quartz watches to compete. A lot of people thought that was the future of the industry. So it's no surprise that by the time he came on board, nothing had changed. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and they were still making a ton of, a ton of quartz watches. Yeah. 
So pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So yeah, started in 1980, which is relative, really, I mean, really relatively new. Um, I'm not familiar with the person that started it, nor do I know how to say their name. Do you? Carlo, Carlo Croco. Croco. Carlo Croco. Carlo, Carlo Croco. Cro. Mm. A very okay. rich man, wherever he is. <laughs> He's gotta be. He's got. Well, the thing is, well, here's what's funny. My understanding is that he was involved with another swiss making sort of operation or watch family before he started this so it's not like he had it's not like he you know he started already sort of with like industry knowledge and industry contacts and mm-hmm. things like that so you know obviously had a clear idea and direction of what um he had wanted to do some really just interesting things that so obviously a lot of stuff has pivoted from when they started to now but i think one of the things that's that's consistent and one of the things that i think is really for me earns a lot of my respect and Hublot is from the beginning to now, there's this sort of drive to use different materials or to really try and innovate in regards to material usage. So obviously like precious metal and things like that are, are like a thing, but I, I, I saw somewhere they were one of the first like Swiss brands back then before, before, before Biver to use like natural rubber on straps and things like that. Yeah. That, that might be the, um, that might be the uh, start of it all. So, that's so cool. <laughs> to see that it was a three-year research process to put a rubber strap on a watch, I think to us today that, that that's crazy. But it puts the lime <laughs> in the coconut, <laughs> and then it stirs. Guys, I need three years to think about that. Right? I'm just I'm imagining scientists <laughs> with like beakers and yeah, goggles. Sci- scientists, scientists. What do we do with beakers? There's a there's a whiteboard and there's every the whiteboard's clearly been erased and written over like hundreds of times. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're racking brain cells over getting a rubber strap, but it, it's it's watch. true. Again, in the in the interview, I'm thinking about I saw a while back with Jean Claude Biver. He he expresses how they really had to make the the Big Bang different um, from all of the other popular magenta designs, namely the the Royal Oak, because this is. These are two two watches that are, that are based on the porthole concept. Um, yes, Hublot being the French word for porthole, which I did um, not know. I thought it was a made up word, like like, <laughs> like Google. You know what I mean? Hey, we don't speak French. Whatever. We don't speak French. I'm not very versed in French. But it's they had to do a lot of little tweaks to the overall design, and and one of those key one of the key points was to include a rubber strap because that would really set it apart from um the integrated bracelet look of the the royal oak um so and, and I, I i don't know how far they've gone with the rubber or if it's 100% vertical right now for Hublot uh but they're super comfy you know yeah. i don't know if they still make their own or if they source them from somewhere else whatever they do they're really good and they look good so I, the one thing I don't know about, apparently they're getting into a ton of um, integrated processes for their ceramics, their yeah. precious metals, uh, and, and the colors that they use for ceramic. They're, I've never seen anything as vivid. And even even when you look at their colored sapphire, I can't I can't think of anyone else that's doing it that nice. And I, I don't know what they do. They, it, at that boutique, they had the blue sapphire turbine. Oh, yeah. Shit. Which I really wanted him to take out of the box, but it's a $175,000 watch. And I figured that. 
we had no business <laughs> touching yeah, that that's, thing. That's but how egregious. do you remember how crazy that thing looked? It was beautiful. I mean, no, the thing is, it was beautiful, and so it's one of the things that I do. That, that this is one of the reasons why I respect Dublo so much. It's the focus on like materials, but it's not one of those things where they focus on materials so much and you know design sort of a separate wing. A lot of times, the materials and the way they use them very much informs the design and the way the watch looks. Like they're it's a super fucking cliche. I'm very sorry. They're very much in synergy with each other, um, as opposed to like certain Richard Meal models, which the only thing you really notice is like what's happening on the dial. You know what I mean? Like there's there's more of like an aesthetic lunge as opposed to really just bringing in this form, material use, and like design. You know, bringing these three families together and, and just producing something super cool. I don't know. I I. I it's really, really an interesting brand to me. Um, I didn't try any on when we were there at the Hublot Boutique, but you did. You did try something on, didn't you? No, not not at that boutique. I, okay. I've tried. I've tried a bunch on before. Uh, I remember the first time I tried on um, a Hublot, and it was it was a time before I was even into watches, seriously into watches. Okay. And it was the first time I became aware of the name. I was at a friend's house. She's like a friend from middle school. And her right. dad her dad is this guy that he he's like a traveling salesman. Really, really into showing status in a way. And I think he probably bought this Hublot as, as part of that. Um, but it was just it was just like tossed on their dinner table. And, and I was just sitting there, we were just chatting, and I was like I was messing with it. And in my mind, I was like, this thing looks kind of crazy and weird. Uh, I wonder if it's expensive. And I put it on and I was like, this is gross. And then I put it back on the table. And then many years later, when I saw, you start learning about brands and everything, I saw this name and I was like, wow, that's that's the watch that I saw on that day. And wow. I saw the price and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> um, Do you remember which model it was? It was, it was some kind of black on black big bang time only with uh gold accents mm. which they've made a ton of those yeah <laughs> by this time you're describing a lot of watches yeah yeah exactly no i i don't remember the model but um i i, I think i think they're kind of comfy watches i don't think i don't think hublot is ever going to achieve the collectible status of its peers especially in the Genta-esque realm of design. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think that's what's funny about these watches, and I think that's why people don't necessarily not take them seriously, but see them for as cool as they are. Is that they don't have collector's status. Anytime you see someone wearing an Hublot, the first thing you think is like, "Oh, that's a very expensive watch. They spent a lot of money on that." Yeah, you know. Well, is it just me? I've never really. I know Hublot is a powerful name in watches, but is it a powerful luxury name? Like when we're talking about, the, I'm talking powerful like Gucci, Chanel, uh, Tory Burch, you know, shit like that. Is it is so. it really a powerful luxury name? Because I, I, I think if you want to show status, there are a ton of other options. Even Tag Heuer, to a certain extent, it, it, people show status with. Maybe this is the micro brand brand of the ultra luxury world. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe this is like the Halios of hot horology. 
Because you're totally right. This does not command the same, um, like, like, like reverence as like Tiffany or like lo these luxury brands or anything like that. You know what I mean? So, but these are still obviously very cool, and they're operating on their own fucking wavelength. They don't give a shit. They don't. Give, they, they, they don't. They don't give a fuck what anyone else. Thanks. I think also that this might be an international uh, sort of disconnection that we're experiencing. Because remember, I texted you. So um, it, you recently discovered the premium lounges at the airport where you can just get a day pass, right? So nice. <laughs> Relax oh, a little bit. God. Okay. So when I flew to Colombia uh, last year, I did the same thing with the airline that we were using. And, um, you know, the day pass, it was worth, it's worth it when your wait is like fucking six hours. So we just, we did that. I'll admit it. But in, in that area, ton of people flying to Colombia mm. and dude, like no joke, like 10 Hublots just Jesus. everywhere. So maybe, maybe it's just a, um, Hublot's presence here in the States. If anyone in Europe or in South America or in Asia, if you guys are based there and Hublot's are super popular, definitely let us know. That's interesting, actually. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a part of a part of this is mm. Hublot, Hublot's connection with soccer. They're the they official, they're the official FIFA timekeeper. Oh well, there you go. So when you're watching, we, we don't care about watching, soccer in this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you're watching soccer matches and the guy he like lifts up the clock, it's a big, it's a big Hublot clock, and it gets crazy airtime on TV. And they've they've done a ton of collaborations with teams and soccer players and things like that. So I think in other parts in other parts of the world, it's pretty pretty serious, especially if you're in football circles. Sure. Okay. That maybe that's it. If anyone's got any more insight on that, definitely let us know what's up. So that would that me that might be part of the reason why you know we don't necessarily think Ubalo is popular, but maybe they maybe they super are. You know. Yeah. Elsewhere. I mean, if so if soccer players are wearing them, you know, in other if 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 we drool over the LeBron James Audemars Piguet and and soccer players are doing for Hublot what that guy has done for AP um i guess i guess it's a pretty considerable display of wealth if you have the same watch that it, this soccer player does i don't know wealth and also enthusiasm like i'm 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 a football slash soccer enthusiast i mm -hmm. have anublo exactly you know that's pretty interesting so so just so i'm looking at the timeline here brand was started in the 80s and it was about, what, 25, 24 years before Biver jumped on board? Yeah, it, it looks like they started, realized they had to do quartz or shit the bed, got pretty serious about it, and then didn't change at all until mm -hmm. that guy came on board. And then that was 2004, and that's when basically their whole catalog was quartz. I think, I think it's Biver. I feel like we talk about Biver. We mentioned his name a lot in the show, and I know we have a lot of listeners who are like new on the, who are like just getting into watch collecting now. But even before that, I mean, he was obviously incredibly successful, fucking in in swatch group stuff. So what, like Omega? Um, Dude, he was the, Omega Blanc Pan, right? Well, before, so around the time that Hublot was starting. In the early 80s he was yeah. wrapping up his time at Omega that was I think 79 to 81 mm -hmm. and 
on his way out, he worked with a partner to purchase from Omega the name Longpon. Wow. And then he sold that to the Swatch Group. Like a yeah. crazy return. I think it was like 22,000 or 20,000 Swiss francs and they got like 60 million. <laughs> so so he he by that time he he kind of he knew how to he knew how to play the watch industry game, uh, take brands, revitalize them, um, and very just confident, happened. super yeah, confident, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, he had already also worked at AP by that time, so um, he he knew he knew AP's game, he knew AP's primary competitor, um, you know, Patek inside and out, mm. uh, and then kind of realized that Hublot was going the same way but took the opportunity to to revitalize the brand and do something super different and very what, and very I, modern. I wonder what attracted him to Hublot to choose to be the CEO or accept the position of CEO at Hublot. I wonder you know what I mean? Well, it, it actually the it seems like the brand changed hands from the original founder right to Biver. I could wow. be wrong. I think from from what I read, let's take a look. Um yeah, I guess the guy got more into charity, and then in t- 2003, and then, yeah, Bivere assumed duties as CEO in 2000. Maybe, I, I think, I think money might have been a good part of that. I'm sure you'd be surprised what people will do if the check clears. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you can believe it, I think money might have been a factor in his decision to take on the role. <laughs> Fuck, I'll be the CEO of a blow for money. I don't give a shit. I'll I'll do it for literally five percent of what of what Bivere is making right now. I will be the yeah. CEO of a blow, and I'll walk around just and like get coffee while wearing a new blow. I'm fine with that. You know. You know what kind of bums me out? I, d- I don't think I ever took the time when I was in um, living in South Florida to go to to one of their flagship boutiques, which is in in Bell Harbor. We, we where we walked around. I don't think we I don't think we went in, did we? There's there's a we did not, but there's a boutique. 15 minutes from me in the Mall of Millennia here in Orlando. Oh, I bet it's, you at the time we walked by and we were like, you blow. <laughs> we might because we were because we were pieces of shit. So it's entirely possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I in preparing for this episode and us talking right now, I had the idea in my mind. I'm like, dude, should I just should I just go to the so in, in the mall in the Mall of Millennia, which is which is right right here in Orlando where I live. Um, there's new blue boutique. There's no mega boutique. There's um, the Rolex place. There's Tag. There's um, a whole, just like a whole bunch of shit. Contemplating just going. I've never walked into the Ublo boutique. I kind of want to go and try on one of these fucking big bangs. So which in the big bang, the big bang is specifically like, like Bivere is one of the Bivere's initial and main contributions to Ublo. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that's him. That's the guy in a watch. Yeah. I yeah. think it's beautiful. You're weird about it. You said, "I'm not weird about it. I, I think it's I think it's kind of cool. I dude again. I I love the the red magic. Mm. <laughs> I will always love that watch. That thing is crazy. And they have a blue magic now, so it's but of course all blue ceramic, insane. No, I I, I dig them, dude. It's just I can't. Um, I don't think I can ever see myself just casually wearing those things." There's, there's one, there's only been one watch similar in design that I've tried on and I've been like, yeah, like I could maybe do this if I also had a yacht. Um, <laughs> this is your yacht watch. 
<laughs> my yacht watch yeah it was the ap uh royal oak offshore diver that i just um, sure i messed around with in vegas and i just i i put the watch on and i was just like yeah i could i could i could be at a yacht party with this thing and then i came back down to real life and um i have, I have a fucking family i can't buy this goddamn watch. <laughs> i wish i wish i remember what watch i was like what watch did i take off to try that one on i'm trying to it, probably your prob- speedmaster or your doxa right probably probably no i didn't have the doxa by then oh shit and i, I, I hope, don't think i might have not even had the speedmaster by then i hope it was your seiko 175 because that would have been, been hilarious it might it might have been it might have been <laughs> that's hilarious no yeah so that that look is kind of it's a little borderline for me but maybe I just have to try on the the magic red in person. Maybe that's the one that'll finally push me over the edge. Maybe <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. This thing is this thing is super uh, super gorgeous. You know what's funny? It still does preserve that porthole look. It's the porthole look, but it's not necessarily uh, super Genta esque. It doesn't uh, feel nautical. To me, it doesn't feel nautical. Yeah, not necessarily. The only thing that does are, are those little ears, like at three and nine o'clock, right. which are meant to look like the handles that you would use to like open the porthole. So as the ship is sinking, those are the handles that fail, and then you just start screaming into the window as it as it plunges to the depths below. I'm also not a porthole expert. Let's uh, look at a let's look at a porthole. Let's Google portholes together. Just before I Google this, porthole is not innuendo for some kind of nefarious sexual act, right? Because I really don't need that right now. Porthole. Okay, I think I can kind of see this. Okay, I'm googling it. Anyway. I don't see a porthole that has the ears like this on both sides. I see three of these little ears like at the top. Yeah. Then... But it's there. The design is there. But having the two ears is more symmetrical, so I understand it. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's such a fine line between doing something that's designed on a theme and doing something that's designed on a theme, sh- like, really shittily. Like, that looks like a novelty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, this like, thing is uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So, I think these Big Bangs are really, really cool. There's other um, Hublot models as well, but I wanted to spend time talking about this. They really go all out with making their movements. I don't know anything about their movements. For the longest time, I, I thought they were kind of recirculated and generic. I, I don't really... I know there's the Unico. Yeah. Which everything is in-house, right? Yeah, that's that's my understanding. So I'm looking at these these Unicos um, right now as well. I just think it's... I just... I don't think people talk about Ublo movements. Usually mm-hmm. they talk about like materials that are used and like the cases and designs, but it really seems like they go nuts in terms of just making these movements themselves, innovating sort of what's going on in here, you know, in conjunction with what's going on outside the watch. And it's just very interesting to me. Anytime a, a, a maker makes their own movements, mm-hmm. like that immediately has my attention, you know? Oh, interesting. So in this in this Blue Magic, for example, it's the HUB-1242 self-winding chronograph movement, the 72-hour power reserve. So I'm looking at that movement now. It is in-house developed and manufactured i had no clue that it was a flyback so yeah um can i i I just i found some copy that's actually pretty interesting here uh yeah go for it consisting of no that's funny i found the typo on the ublo website who do i tell 
Uh, gotta call up Bevere. Gotta call. Can I, can I, can I text Bevere? Yo, Bob, what up, dude? You got a typo on your site. <laughs> Heads will roll. Heads will roll, man. Consisting of, it's supposed to say no less, but it says knee less, N-E. Consisting of no less than 330 individually assembled components, um, Unico movements feature integrated flyback chronograph, column wheel, position dial side of the movements, um, Unico movements feature bi-directional winding system, that's normal, 70-hour power reserve. Here's what's really wild. Um, Unico movements features a removable escapement module which allows the balance and escape wheels to be easily removed for repairs and replacement if necessary without taking the rest of the watch apart. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. You know? <clears throat> Additional functions, GMT, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm dying. This thing is just so wild. What I'd be interested to know, and this is something I would love to do an episode on, is what's like this, what sort of service intervals are you looking at for this thing? You know what I mean? Because these things are so unique, is it a pain in the ass to service them? Do they break often? Because I know... Some super high-end, like, Richard meals and shit like that. They fucking break all the time, you know? I'll tell you, I'll tell you that probably the most competitive industry standard to try and meet today is 10 years. So when I was trying, when I was trying on that, um, that Planet Ocean, and I, I think this is something that Omega will try, like, really try to tell you these days if you're considering a watch, 10 years. Hmm. That the guy was like, you don't have to, you don't even have to bring this thing in until, like, 10 years. Wow. Um, really with the advances that that have been made in uh, lubrication and just uh, friction reduction um, I I would hope that it's that something like this would also be like 10 years or if you buy direct from the brand at the same time they might give you the first service on the house so that's pretty wild yeah maybe yeah. maybe 10 years maybe 10 years I guess that makes sense let me type in I'm gonna I want to see what happens I'm gonna type in Ublo movement service hublot hublot right. that's what Hublot. i said when i was <laughs> hublet hublet oh cool hublet <laughs> i'm gonna say that for now just to annoy people <laughs> that's the kind of person i am guys um hublot makes every e i'm sorry hublot makes every effort to bring you the greatest possible satisfaction with the aim of constantly improving our service we ask you to inform us blah 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 find service areas near me really maybe maybe you gotta do hublot service interval interval serve ice i misspelled it um Hmm. Download user care guide. Oh shit! There's a dude. There's a bunch of videos on their site, like, you know, how they're like, you know, checking power reserve, checking magnetism, uh, checking the waterproofness, how to wind your watch. <laughs> this is interesting. I'm uh, checking that. See. I'm downloading this user good. guide. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Let's see. Let's see. Um, English. Yes, honest. I would like English. This just gives you the prices. Okay, Control F years. <laughs> your Hublot, your Hublot watch is guaranteed against all manufacturing defects for a period of two years from the date of purchase. That's not helpful. What's the next mention of years? To preserve these qualities, we recommend complete overhaul every three to five years. Huh. That kind, kind of sucks. Kind of a bummer, right? 
But it's one of those, it's one of those double-edged swords, fucking, I'm full of cliche bullshit today, guys, I'm sorry, where, yeah, everything is in-house, it's, like, all, like, really, like, interesting and customed, and, like, it's super, super specific to Hublot, but at the same time, all those variables just add more opportunities for the watch to fail, or for extra care you need, so on and so forth, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's just one of those trade-offs, but... Um, maybe they're just being super conservative for three to five years. Maybe you'd be okay longer. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, dude, for, I think AP is like between, for a time only watch, we're not even talking about a chronograph. It's like between 800 to 900 euros for just a three hand movement servicing. You can only imagine one of this for this fucking thing. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Uh, oh, <coughs> fuck! Excuse me. Dude, I'm wish. covered in crumbs. Yeah, that sounded that sounded like you had a lot of crumbs there. There's just crumbs everywhere. Fucking crumbs, dude. I still think I still think you can probably rock it for about ten years. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the guide the guide says to preserve like you know the the the, the like exquisite features and like you know. Blah blah blah, like the spec to, res- to basically preserve factory specs. It recommends three to five years. I don't give a fuck about factory specs, dude. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I I I'm okay if it loses like a few seconds or whatever over the course of ten years. You know? Yeah. But um, dude, nobody beats Panerai in that regard. Did you see that Lab hmm. ID Carbotech watch that they released a couple of years back? The first, you don't have to take it in for service until 50 years or some shit Jesus. like that. Jesus. <laughs> so by the time Panerai fails and is gone, then you can t- then you can send it in for servicing. Like, it's because I think the movement is all carbon and there are no lubricants at all. Oh, Except, wow. <laughs> what was that noise? Hello? What? Oh, shit, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. That was me saying, oh, wow, as I was drinking coffee. So maybe it came out sounding weird. Okay, okay. That's what it was. That was my surprise sound, Michael. Oh, boy. I don't know. I So, this discussion also is eventually going to get to the hate for Hublot, which they, they really get some hate out there. They get hate because I think people might, correct me if I'm wrong, potentially see this as like a midlife crisis purchase you know what i'm saying okay that i can i can see that for me it's it's that it's who it's who they see wearing this watch and them making a judgment on the watch based on their judgment of someone wearing the watch that's one factor also obviously price is also a factor anytime you have a watch that's expensive people will hate on the watch purely because of the of the cost you know um what else? I don't really know what else. I, I th- those are the big things. People who wear the watch, uh, and then the cost of the watch. Why do you? Where, where do you think a lot of the hate comes from? You know what I've heard before, or I've hmm. read before. That's absolutely absurd. You got something like a Big Bang because you couldn't afford something like an AP. What the fuck? Who says that? I I have seen like criticism of Hublot as far as um, like they're not real wealth. Like it's just who gives a f- 
fuck, dude. That's okay. Now, 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 I have to buy one just to, just, to, <laughs> just to shut everyone up. That's so stupid. That's definitely more in like the wealth enthusiast circles for sure. But um, so, like when Russ Hanneman had to sell his McLaren and buy a Maserati. <laughs> yeah, the doors don't go like this. They don't go like this. They go like this. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Richard. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. The That's Maserati so is not good enough. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't get that. Well, okay, well here's the thing also. I was hold on my cats here. What's wrong? Are you okay? Yes. You're a good cat. You can so the list price on some of these Ublows, the list price on some of them, it's ten K. I can I can imagine you're not paying ten K for some of these. Like I was looking at these classic fusion chronographs, which I like a lot because they obviously have very big bang sort of aesthetics, but they're way dialed back. You know, mm-hmm. um, I saw one in green that looks so cool. It's it's like like retail price is like ten thousand one hundred, so I can only imagine you're not paying full price for that. So that puts you in striking distance of some of the fucking omegas and grand seikos we've been talking about. I feel like yeah. I, I will I, I will have to criticize Hublot on one point. Yes. And that is the absolute, like, ridiculous, like, amount of stupid collaborations that they do. So this is something I'm not familiar with. They do a lot of collaborations. Ugh. Yeah, they did one with TMT, which is Floyd Mayweather's The Money Team. So... That watch is kind of gross. Um, they did one with who's this guy? Jose Bautista, like a baseball player, and then one of the subdials is a baseball. Like just kind of really on the surface, kind of stupid things. The Big Bang Bavaria in bronze for Oktoberfest. Are, are they the tag Hoyer of Otterology? Maybe I mean, are they like the graduation watch? Because that's what, because that's what, because I think that's what it sounds like. A lot of their, if a lot of their brand um, partnerships and things like that are just to try and get fans of certain other enthusiast niches to notice the brand by putting a fucking baseball or whatever on there. So hold on, let me, I want to find this Floyd Mayweather Hublot. It's pretty bad, dude. Like that one, I can see is pretty awful. Let me see here. Blah blah blah. Show me a fucking photo. Fu- ooh, ooh. Mm. <laughs> this is pretty goddamn horrendous. Uh, yeah. And then they, I think they had like a golf one. Like some kind of, I forgot who they collaborated with, but it had some kind of golf complication where you can, like, yeah, here it is. The Hublot Big Bang Unico Golf Watch. Look that shit up. The case. I'm looking at they, the. I'm looking at the baseball one right now. This looks like the dumbest thing ever. I'm super sorry if someone has this watch, but this is like, the strap has like baseball stitching on it. Yeah, yeah. So let me look at the golf one. Hold on, my cat. Stop. Stop it. Look at this golf one. Golf. They basically incorporated like a generic counter mechanism, like when you what like going. Like when you go into a concert and the guy's just clicking that thing just to count the people. That's what this thing has to count your shots and like tell you what hole you're in. What the f- Oh, 18th hole, shot three. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> this is that's thirty one thousand dollars. Oh man, I will say if someone's into golf and they have that kind of money to throw around and they only wear it when they golf, I can see Michael. We're clearly not the target demographic for any of these models, dude. Right. So I I do understand. Yes, the criticism for some of these collaborations is um is certainly necessary. If dudes like Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer can wear like one Rolex their entire careers and they like stick it in their golf bag when they play, like you, no golf person needs this. <laughs> no. But this is this is a novelty indulgence. So, I take back my earlier statement about Hublot not being novelties kind of like some other brands cuz clearly this does exist. These do yeah. exist. Yeah. Which I I think they did something for um, Usain Bolt, the the runner. I think he sure. has a watch with them too. Let's, let's take a look. Usain Bolt, Hublot. I mean, this thing is kind of cool. Guys oh, like flag like a, colors. Uh, I like the case. It's like a clear ceramic. I'm guessing. They've done a few. It looks like they've done a few. Uh, that might be Sapphire. That might be Sapphire. Oh, Sapphire. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant Sapphire. I'm, I'm stupid. I like that the second hand is is a lightning bolt. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's a little on the nose, but damn it, it's still pretty charming. Yeah. Yeah. And that, he, he's he's kind of known to be a pretty like eccentric guy, uh, like on and off the track i suppose i, I so thought it would is... be if i was good at something if i was good at something i would be like way more confident in my surroundings and myself you know what i mean well yeah you just have to set the human speed record at like what is it like 2027 20, what's his speed same bolt speed right 27.8 miles per hour jesus christ fuck that yeah give that guy a lightning bolt on his fucking that's literally Google. faster that's that's literally faster than the electric vehicle I'm contemplating getting <laughs> after my car lease. My car lease is up in a few months, and so I'm looking for like an electric neighborhood vehicle to just because I don't leave my town to just have so I can still be mobile. That's literally faster than the fucking car I'm looking at right now. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's a tuk tuk, you said, right? The tuk tuk, yeah. <laughs> I want to buy an electric. You can all laugh at me. I don't care. I want to buy an electric tuk tuk. Hey. It's, it's got a solar panel on top. Charges itself. It's blue. Yeah, dude. I can put the TBWS logo on next on the side of it and try and expense try and expense it. It's perfect. I think our taxes will be taken care of. That's a It's proper business expense. But yeah, so okay, there are some um Hublot novelties. I will I will concede that. I still think these things some of these things are are pretty oh, there's the blue magic you're talking about. Yeah, they, wow. the, that blue and that red—they're just—they're nuts, man. I'd wear that shit. You I think I still like on. the red more. You should have tried it, it on. Oh, they didn't oh, have it there. Oh, I thought—I I thought we saw the blue one there. The blue sapphire. That's—that's—that's that's, that's okay. the turbion. That's—that's that's crazy. Car, a cardinal sin. I apologize, guys. <laughs> have you seen these classic fusions though? What are your thoughts? If you—if you Google Hublot classic fusion chronograph. Those I don't I don't dig because they're they're trying to take this sort of larger than life thing, which is the Big Bang for mm -hmm. for the for the brand, and they're trying to 
dress it up a little bit. You know, I think I think if you if you're gonna get a Hublot, get a Hublot. Get a fucking get the big bang. So you're saying these are off brand? I think they're I actually I personally think they are a little off brand. Yeah. That's actually that's actually a pretty interesting point. I do I do understand that. Maybe the only reason I like them is because they're potentially affordable. Affordable being ten thousand dollars. Yeah, no, I, I compared just, to compared to one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Let's see, what's the cheapest actual Big Bang you can get? And I'll, I'll probably I'm still looking the, at the time. Probably one of the ladies' models. You know what? I'd also be interested in looking for. Hmm. So, if in two thousand four, ninety-seven percent of their catalog was quartz, what if you can find something from that era? See, that's kind of badass. Yeah, like an old. I wonder what I'm gonna, those look like. I'm going to go to eBay and type in Vintage Hublot and see what happens. <laughs> is it vintage? Yes, yeah. Dude, if 90s if 90s is vintage, 80s is vintage. Dude, the fucking... I think 19,000 is the cheapest I'm seeing. No way, dude. Well, no, 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 not, not the vintage ones. No, uh, no, no, just, no. I mean, I mean, in general, like, I'm, I'm seeing stuff for, like... I'm seeing stuff for 10k, 8k, 25k, fuck that. <laughs> 8k. So not a not a cheap brand. 7k used. Oh my, yeah, I know. This is this is not a cheap this is not a cheap brand at all. You know, um, vintage bronze GMT Ublo. 47 millimeters. What the. Fuck? Okay, it's loading. My 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 connection to the internet is tenuous right now, so if I lose you. What the fuck? This can't be real. This looks horrible. That's why be very came. <laughs> this can't be real. To fix this garbage. What year is this? What year is this from? I feel like this is super fake. I'm seeing some between twenty five hundred and three k. Yeah. On eBay. Automatic Hublot date doesn't have quick set. Have to manually set. And foot in Jeez. foot in my mouth, like egg on my face. Um, some of these actually look like the classic fusion. So maybe the classic fusion is more on brand. Pre-Bivere. Pre-Bivere. Hublot. Okay, so I typed in quartz. Hublot 36 millimeter quotes quartz. But who knows if these are fucking real. Yeah. It's fucking eBay, dude. MDM Geneve. Oh, no, this might be real, actually. I know, but who's faking old Hublots right now? <laughs> That's a good point. So I have a vintage Hublot, 36 millimeters here for 1000 bucks. Two-tone quartz. If you're really into the brand, there are options. <laughs> <laughs> it's got MDM Geneve on it, which I know Carlo Croco was associated with in some way before he started Hublot. Huh. So go. that's why... Think that's had, and this thing does look pretty fucking thrashed, but still wearable. I would say so. So we, Michael, do you want to be vintage Hublot collectors together? No. Why not, dude? <laughs> you could corner the market. <laughs> no. Is this here? Uh, Hublot quartz chronograph, fifteen hundred bucks. Wow. This Get thing is kind of cool. Get your Omega instead. I really want that Omega. 
so sad. Wow. What a what a crazy world. Vintage vintage hublots. Hublots, sorry. A good a good choice for brands we know nothing about. Oh yeah, and there's I'm sure there's so much more to talk about. So here here's the thing. If any of you guys are versed in hublot, definitely let us know what's up. Um like I said, I I do respect this, you know, hotology brand <laughs> more than a lot of the other brands out there. I don't, I don't know why. Um, obviously, their outreach might be a bit more improved or not. At the same time, Michael, you and I are not the target demographic. So we could have a problem with who they collaborate with and who they outreach with. But the people who they're selling to, I probably love it. Who knows? You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, really interesting. I really want to start digging into these um, these Unico, Unico movements. Look at these fucking golf movements. That's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. You don't you don't want something to count the hole and the, and the strokes you've taken while you play golf, bro? Are you a golfer? Have you ever played proper golf? I've never played proper golf. I've only gone to one of those like shooting ranges where you get super drunk and try to just like hit balls into a big pit. <laughs> I went to a driving range once and um, I had fun. But I, I still don't understand the science behind, but behind properly swinging a golf club. And so I woke up the next day sore. Yeah. Like my, like my sides hurt. It's hard, my dude. shoulders hurt. Well, I just felt dumb because just like, dude, like, I'm a young fucking person. Like back then, I'm, I'm a young fucking person. I should not be hurt by golf. But apparently yeah. I was. Apparently I didn't know what I was doing. I'm good. Mecca 10... Shepherd Fairy. I know that name. He's an artist. Shepherd Fairy, isn't it? Shepherd Fairy? Might be another collaboration. I don't know. It's definitely collaboration. Oh. He's the guy he's the guy that did the fucking Obama Hope poster. Yep, there you go. Okay. Apparently Ublow collaborated with this motherfucker. Yeah. When are we going to get our Hublot collaboration? Never. Can we have our complication be it just counts the times that we curse and get off tangent and go on tangents? Yeah, like you can counter. use the golf counter for that. I guess so. I guess <laughs> you could use the hole counter for the tangents and the curse counter can be the strokes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think that makes sense to me. But yeah, this is this has been interesting. Um, I've been inspired to possibly go to the Ublo boutique and try try one of these things on. Hopefully they don't laugh at me there. And if they do, fuck them. Um I'll just name them all by name on this podcast, uh, which I'm fine <laughs> with. I have no problem. Um it's a free fucking show. Alright. Uh yeah. What do you think? I think we're good to to recap. I don't know what to recap. But yeah, this has been a really, really fun show. So um that's right. Wrist check. I'm wearing the sumo again. Tis 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 quite nice to be reunited. You are wearing that CWC um that new course reissue was the 80, 83, right? Mm-hmm. You said that thing is so cool, man. Um I, I hope you have continued happiness with it. I hope it stays in the collection for a while. You never know though. We'll see. Um are we gonna I, I think you did a press like a press write up. Are you gonna be doing do you think you're gonna be doing a review for it or probably not? Yes. Oh cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. You know? So yeah, the thing is super super cool. Um, really, really interesting just to hear your watch shopping adventures. 
I want to go on one. The thing is, I don't like going on them without you because I just I'm not confident in walking into like a place. Because like, I'm afraid they're gonna ask me a question, and they're like, "Oh, you know, what are your thoughts on this movement?" And I don't fucking know anything. Why would they ask you that? <laughs> You're supposed know. to ask them that because they're trying to chit chat me up or something like that. I, I don't know, bro. Uh, I'm a worst case scenario type of person. Okay, I walk into a building, the building's gonna fall apart. That's 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 how I operate, man. All right, walk on the sidewalk, dogs gonna attack me. That's just that's just how it works. Yeah. Worst case scenario operator, but um. Been inspired to go on possibly a little mini watch journey of my own. We'll see. Well, we'll see. I'll report back. I'll report back. Um, and then also just yeah, spent the the rest of the episode just talking about this. Um, you know, watch branches know nothing about part seven with Ublo. Really, really cool. Um, I was surprised to learn some things about the brand um, before the call, and then obviously on this this you know I was recording this episode as well. Definitely let us know your thoughts on the discussion. If there's anything really important that we missed, if you have additional insights into this, um, whole, into all these these um, Unico or Unico movements, definitely let us know. It's up. This is something I want to dig into more. Um, if you own Anublo, because I'm because I'm, I'm sure someone who listens to the show might definitely let us know. It's up. I would love to learn your process for purchasing this watch that so that's what i want to know are the majority of ublo people buying them online gray market or are they walking into fucking boutiques you know yeah, what who I mean? knows yeah so i don't know so if anyone has any insight um i would love to hear that. i think that'd be a really really fun discussion to have um we are super backlogged on emails i'm so sorry we've been getting pretty slammed recently so i'm trying to get to emails um we're both trying to get to emails as quickly as we can but it's just tough because we always I always try and write back like a good length response to someone because like, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I just feel bad. Someone like says all this stuff and it's like, yeah, that's cool, bro. Signed cast send like that feels like that's weird. So I try to, it just, it just takes time. Um, so if you're waiting to hear back from us, super, super sorry. Um, definitely. Thanks for writing to us. We will get to you as soon as we can. Uh, I think, I think that's it, man. Just really excited to hear people's, uh, insights on Hublot. Excited to learn some more. Hope Me you too. guys learned something. I hope people don't don't riot over this episode. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure they will. I need to stop reading our reviews, by the way. I keep seeing I keep seeing people complaining about our tangents and our language. And like it's starting to affect my my self-esteem. I don't read that at all. <laughs> I have to I have to stop doing it. I keep it's the <laughs> same it's like it's, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, you know, they're really smart and it's entertaining, but they go on tangents and there's lots of cursing. It's like, well, fucking, like, I'm sorry, dude. You know what I mean? It's a free podcast. Michael, how much did this podcast cost? And then and then when I finished listening to the Two Broke Watch Snobs, I started watching Game of Thrones and watched a ton of raping and flaying and uh, ten out of explicit... Ten. <laughs> yeah, 10 out of 10. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. But yeah, let's... Uh... Let's do this, man. You wanna you wanna close this out, and then I'll or you wanna start it, and I'll close this out. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike, and this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Watch Knobs. Later. Mm-hmm.